Hi there, my name's Alexander Fenter, and I'm a recovering sinner pastor. <laughs> my work is to understand and to live and to teach the teachings of Jesus, which essentially is about the kingdom of God, which is what I'm going to speak about today. But first of all, I just want to say thanks to John and Debbie and the team for this honor and privilege to speak to you Vineyard, UK and Ireland at, um, at uh, 2021 National Conference. It really is a privilege, so thank you. So I want to just speak about Jesus and the kingdom, the king and the kingdom. And the text that I'm going to be speaking from is the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 from verse 16 down to the end. But just to preface it by saying that Matthew's biography of Jesus focuses particularly on the king and the kingdom. If I had to summarize the theme of Matthew, it is the king is here. And that's, in fact, the title of Derek Morphew's study, his small volume on the book of Matthew. So right from the, the birth of Jesus, and we've just been through Christmas, Jesus has the three kings from the east coming to worship him and bringing gifts. King Herod, his nose is put out of joint when he hears that a Jewish king has been born and tries to kill Jesus. And all of the prophecies, uh, Matthew's favorite phrase is according to the scriptures. King Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, fulfills the Hebrew prophecies in his birth, in his ministry, his life, death, and resurrection. And then, of course, Matthew is writing to Jewish readers primarily, therefore he uses kingdom of heaven as opposed to kingdom of God that Mark and Luke use. They essentially mean the same. Matthew uses heaven out of deference to his Jewish readers that heaven is a synonym for God. But just to say, King Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of heaven on earth. And what did that mean for the first followers of Jesus and then the world around them and for us here today? And after a very torrid year of corona trauma with all the extreme and extraordinary challenges it has presented to all of us and still is presenting, we need to pause and stop and think about the king and the kingdom and renew our sense of vision and commission that Jesus has given us as his followers. So reading then from the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission, so Matthew the ends his biography with these words from Jesus. And of course, often with a loved one, the last words that they speak before they die or depart often are the most important words. And this little story of Matthew that ends his biography of Jesus actually summarizes his entire gospel. And I want to share five points with you that come out of the story. It says, Then the eleven went to the Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, 
And then Jesus said, All authority in the heavens and on the earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples, apprentices of me, from people of all nations, all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always until the end of the age. This is a profound text that we call the Great Commission. But just by way of introduction of the big picture, let me go through the points. So it starts off with the, the worship of the king, then it goes to the authority of the king, and then it goes to the baptism of the king, then the character of the king, and then the presence of the king. Jesus told his first followers, the apostles, to go to a mountain in the Galilee where he would meet them. And that is after 40 days of appearing and disappearing to them after his resurrection. And he appeared and disappeared to wean them from dependence on his physical presence because they had been physically with him for three and a half years and had totally come to depend on him and went through the shattering traumatic experience of their leader, Messiah, their, their, the one that they believed and hoped was the king of Israel, the shattering experience of his betrayal and crucifixion, and then the remarkable surprise of his bodily resurrection and his appearances. And so when Jesus brings this to a close and ascends into heaven, he, he meets with them one last time, according to Matthew. And it says, when they see Jesus, they worship him. And so the first point is this idea of visionary worship. When we see Jesus for who he really is, our only adequate response is to fall to our knees and to worship. The human response to God's self-revelation in His Son, King Jesus, is to surrender our will and crown Him as King. Worship like the Magi from the East. They came and they brought gifts and they bowed down to the babe of Bethlehem and they worshipped Him. <laughs> it is remarkable that here, Jewish people worship a human being. Jesus, a resurrected human being, is worshipped because they see him for who he is. Friends, we need to see Jesus for who he really is, the resurrected king. And the clearer we see Jesus by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the more we are transformed in a deeper surrender of our will to live a life of worship. All of God's mission is born out of worship. All authority is born out of worship. All initiation and baptism is born out of seeing Jesus for who He is. In fact, this point picks up Matthew's earlier stories of people seeing Jesus. Even the demons saw Jesus and recognized them for who he was, the Son of God. When Jesus asked his apostles, whom do you say that I am? Peter said, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, you are the Messiah, 
You are the king, the son of God. And, and Jesus then said, I'm changing your name from Simon, a reed shaken in the wind, to Petros, a stone built on the Petra, the rock of who the king really is, and our faith and confession in the king. And then Jesus gave to Peter the keys, the authority of the kingdom. And that brings us to the second point. So the first point is the worship of the king, and that is visionary worship. Our vision of Jesus causes us to surrender in worship to him. I love the phrase from Isaiah 33 verse 17 where it says, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. You know, to really see the historical Jesus, this young 30-year-old rabbi from Nazareth, for who he really is, inaugurating the kingdom of heaven on earth, is to fall in love with Jesus. Because Jesus is not only remarkable, he is truly beautiful. See the king in his beauty. And I love Matthew's realism where he says, but some doubted. That's the not yet of the kingdom side by side with the already of the kingdom. They saw him, they worshipped him, but some had questions in their mind. And of course, doubting is different to unbelief. Doubting, asking questions is part of faith. Be that as it may. <laughs> then Jesus says, all authority in the heavens and on the earth is given to me. And therefore, you go and make disciples of me. The second point here is the authority of the king. And what Matthew is doing, he's, he's directly connoting the story from Daniel chapter 7 of the Son of Man. And I believe that Matthew, in his own way here, is saying Matthew, at least Daniel chapter 7, is literally being fulfilled in this text. Because when Jesus ascended, it was his coronation at the right hand of the Father. He, in the book of Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7, Daniel speaks of four kingdoms. The last beast, the last kingdom, is the worst and most brutal of all, which was the Roman Empire. So from the Assyrian Babylonian Empire to the Medo-Persian Empire to the Greek Empire to the Roman Empire. And it says in Daniel chapter 7, the vision that Daniel had, I looked and thrones were, were set in place and the ancient of days came and took his seat and his clothing was as white as snow. And then it says, the beasts had their authority stripped from them. That's verse 12 and then verse 13. Then in my vision I looked and I, there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And to this Son of Man was given all the authority, the glory, the sovereign power, and all peoples and nations bowed down and they worshipped him. So in the, the 11 followers, the Jewish followers who worshipped a resurrected human being, Jesus, is the is the embodiment and the microcosm of the, all the nations worshipping the king, the, the resurrected king. And of course, Ben Adam, son of man, simply means a human being. And this mysterious human heavenly figure comes out from under suffering, um, 
under the fourth beast, the most brutal empire, the Roman Empire, and is triumphant by entering into the courts of heaven on a cloud. Jesus ascended in a cloud. And there he was given all authority and power, the kingdom. And Ben-Adam, son of man, is the phrase that Jesus took for himself, which was a very um, conscious messianic designation that was expected in the time of Jesus. 81 times in the Gospels, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. And so what Matthew is doing here when Jesus says, all authority is given to me, he is connoting this. And the Son of Man actually embodies the new humanity. Because in Daniel 7, it says that he gives that authority, the kingdom, to the saints of the Most High to rule and reign and extend his kingdom over all nations to the ends of the earth. And that's what is being said here. All authority is given to me. Therefore, go in that authority and make disciples of me from people of all nations. And so it is commissioning authority as it is visionary worship. And commissioning authority is that we are authorized to go and make apprentices of Jesus from people of all nations. And to be a disciple, that's the Bible word. In the Greek context and Jewish context, it was a disciplined learner, but Dallas Willard has popularized the phrase an apprentice. Our commission in the authority of the king is to make apprentices of the king in his kingdom. An apprentice is a person who commits to, to live with, to learn from, to become like. And so we are not called to make converts. Neither are we called or commissioned to make church members. Neither are we called to make people good, pure vineyard Christians. We are called to make apprentices of Jesus, people who intensely and passionately pursue Christ-likeness to become just like the King in His kingdom so that we share his collaborative authority and exercise it in real terms to change the world around us right to the ends of the earth. And how do we make apprentices of Jesus? And this is, of course, what Dallas Willard called the great omission in the great commission is that we make converts, but we don't make disciples, disciplined learners of people who intentionally progressively become like Jesus. That great omission has cost us dearly as the church. It is the single reason, the fact that we don't make disciplined learners, apprentices of Jesus, it's the single reason why the church is so powerless to change our society and our nations and our communities. How do we make disciples? The baptism of the King baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptism was initiation into discipleship, initiation into apprenticeship. And Jesus was baptized by John, and he initiated this baptism, 
um, to his followers that whoever decided to become apprentice of Jesus and put their faith into the Messiah, the King, and follow the King, they would enter through the waters of baptism. And it symbolized essentially identifying with Christ's death, whereby I died to my old life of sin and being buried and rising again to my new life in the King to live the life of the kingdom. But the deeper meaning of baptism is participation in the Trinity. Because in Semitic usage, when you say in the name of, you know, to name in the Bible is to describe the essential character and destiny of a person, the nature. And when it says you baptize them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus really is saying is you plunge people, immerse apprentices of Jesus into the reality of the Trinitarian God, the reality of the life and the love of the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit to live the Trinity on earth, to live heaven on earth. Followers of Jesus who are immersed into the life and love of the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit actually live heaven on earth. We are a taste of kingdom come. And that is the meaning of what we ought to do in making disciples, is initiate people. So I call it participating baptism because in, in 2 Peter Chapter 1 verse 4 is this remarkable verse that through the great and precious promises of God realized for us in Jesus, we have become partakers. We participate in the very divine nature of God. And the extent to which we participate in the divine nature of God, we are freed from the corruption in the world through sinful desires and corrupted appetites. So that is what discipleship is about. And that leads then to the fourth point, which is the character of Christ. And here Jesus says, don't only baptize people and immerse them into apprenticeship, and don't only teach them to begin to live the life of the Trinity through death and resurrection, Train them, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here is a very, very important point. And once again, this is what Dallas meant by the great omission in the Great Commission. We omit to, to intentionally, systematically teach every person who comes to our church and claims to follow Jesus. We omit to teach and train them to end up obeying everything Jesus commanded. Just imagine that. If we train our will and all our faculties to incrementally obey Jesus in love, that formation of character is the power of transformation in and through us to the world around us. Authority is linked in real terms, is linked to integrity of character. And so when Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, in Hebraic understanding, teaching is not just information 
of theology and the mind, but it is formation of the heart, which is the will. And so the kingdom of God, Jesus taught his followers to pray, pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this piece of earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the effective range of the will of God. Wherever God's will is done, His kingdom has come. So when I do the will of God in and through my body, as it is in heaven, and when I do the will of God in the peace of earth around me, in my marriage, in my family, in my workplace, as it is in heaven, God's kingdom has come in that environment and in that place. Imagine becoming the kind of person that predictably, easily, naturally does what God would do if He were you. To be a disciple is to live interactively with Jesus, learning from Him how to live my life as He would if He were me. It's beginning to think the thoughts of God, feel God's feelings, speaking God's words, and behaving and doing what God would do if God were me. And Jesus himself was the very incarnation of the fulfillment of the will of heaven here on earth. In contrast to most other people who do the will of Satan on earth as it is in the so the fourth point is transforming character, training in the character of Christ so that we easily, naturally, incrementally do all that God wants us to do. And then he says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And Dallas Willard's paraphrase of this is, I will be with you at your side by my empowering spirit Till the job is done. What is the job we have to do? Is by his collaborative authority, his commissioning authority, make apprentices of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That is our job. And when that job is done, Jesus will return. So he promises us not only the character of Christ, but he promises us the charisma of Christ. I will be with you is the presence of the King. And as Gordon Fee wrote that remarkable book about the Holy Spirit called The Empowering Presence, the presence of the King with us is the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us to the world around us. So that is the charismata of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, all the resources and the power of heaven is available to us to get the job done, to make Apprentices of Jesus from people of all types, all nations, everywhere. The pursuit of becoming like the king. The hunger, the passion to see the king in his beauty. To be so ravished by the vision of the king that we worship and surrender. And then we collaborate with his commissioning authority. And we are disciples. We can only make disciples to the extent we ourselves are disciples. By being initiated into the Trinitarian reality. Learning to live the life of heaven on earth. By being trained in the character of Christ to do God's will routinely. Easily, predictably. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us and through us transforms the world around us. So that's my message of the King and the Kingdom in the midst of these deeply troubled times in which we live. May God bless you and let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, for Vineyard, UK and Ireland, every church, every church plant, every leader and pastor, all the people that are watching this, this message, I speak the blessing of the King and the kingdom upon them in the name of Jesus. May the King bless you by the power of His Holy Spirit with a profound baptism of the life and love of the Trinity. And may you be transformed in your character to live the life of Christ and to be Jesus to your world and to your community. Be the great light that shines in deep darkness. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with all that you need to be Jesus to your community. Amen. Thank you.